entertained? Are you not entertained? Is this not why you are here? Turn the music up, turn me down. Google. Let's go get him again. This time is for the money, my nigga. Brooklyn, stand up. Never been a nigga this good for this. Ha ha, yeah. Ha ha, yeah. Ha yeah. It's TV. <laughs> We're going to have to stay in the building again because it's like, what, week nine or day nine of us having rain all day and all that on the heels of a heat wave. Like, the last week's been drawn weather-wise. I don't know how you feel about that, but. Definitely eight? been drawn. It's too much. It's too much. 99, 98. Feel like a buck eight out there. Then it. Thunderstorms is 60 degrees. It's a bad joint outside right now. The only place is, the only place is hot and nice, I guess, right now is Phoenix. It's like a buck fifteen. Jay Will telling me it's nice but hot. I'm like, bro, ain't no way it's nice and it's a buck fifteen. I get it, you watching the finals and all that shit, but like, bro, it ain't no way. <laughs> it, ain't no, it ain't no way that's comfortable. You need a gallon every hour down there. I mean, some people like that heat, though. I don't know. Nah, the people that live out there, bro, that's all I'm saying. Shit. I mean, yeah, but they used to it. It ain't something you just pop into. That's like going to Vegas for summer league and being like, Damn, it's really like like hot like this all the time. Like, yeah, that's peak heat down there. Like, <laughs> nah, I'm cool. I'm cool. But my question to you, because you know everybody do this. After one game of a big, big series, everybody got like overreactions or like big time declarative statements. Like, oh, this shit over. So after game one, what you see, what's your overreaction for the series right now? Overreaction is Suns and four easily. <laughs> like if Suns is if if Suns if Suns and three was a possibility, like I would say it because after that game, bro, that was just like, and I know people are talking about how good Giannis played, and I'm like, I mean, he played okay. Definitely played better than I expected, but I mean, still, the the Suns just looked like they was doing whatever they wanted out there, and the Bucks couldn't stop them. They had nothing for them. Like they were killing Brook Lopez in the pick and roll. Um, Chris Paul was literally acting like a maestro and just conducting the offense in in crazy fashion. And, you know, DeAndre Ayton was eating down low, having it his way. And I think a lot of people are missing out on that fact of, like, how big DeAndre Ayton, like, is playing as a whole. Because if you look at the totality of the Suns' run, at most games that they lose is DeAndre Ayton not having a good game. He goes as far as they go. They go as far as he goes. 
because like it's and that's just how it is. Like he's a focal point of that offense, no matter how you how you split it. My take, not even take, just an overreaction is Brooke Lopez needs a good bench. Now, obviously, they're not going to do that because he's too important to their success as a team. But I'm only saying that because of what you brought up earlier and the fact that they were doing whatever they felt off that high pick and roll. And, like, that's probably the most run play in the NBA for obvious reasons because that's just, like, a staple of the game. And that's exact. It's especially what we see in today's game as far as getting your ball handlers and your ball creators to be able to just have space and freedom to attack or create. And once they started running a high pick and roll, and it got to the point that like, all right, Chris Paul is going to come downhill and squeeze or swing to the corner, or they're going to hold it out, string it out throw it to DeAndre Ayton over the top because he's shooting 80% in the game. 70% in the playoffs as a whole. And it's it's crazy because it's like, it's such a simplistic play, but the way that the Bucks have guarded the ball the entire playoffs leads me to believe that no matter what Coach Bud does, he got to go. Because, like, I understand it may be, a, like, a, a, a result of the roster you have and the players in which have to play because of what they bring offensively and defensively and what they lack on the defensive end. But, like, I don't see any adjustments from this guy. Like, we saw when they were playing Trey Young how, how they were playing drop coverage and allowing him to go and do whatever he wanted. We saw – when James Harden came back against the Nets and for some odd reason, he allowed James to just be out there, not attacking him, letting KD do whatever he wanted off ball screens, letting Brooke Lopez be in no man's land. And it's like, bro, at some point you got to change your team up if you want to win the chip. And Giannis played great for what he was supposed to be doing, I guess, because he, we didn't think he was going to play at all late active came out played pretty well looked looked like he was confident in his knee but if they lose game 2 the bucks lose game 2 i ain't going to say the series is over cuz they'll probably win they'll probably win the game win the first game in Milwaukee drop the second game and then that bitch is over in phoenix game 5 type shit I just I just don't know if I got any faith in them coming out and being that team that looked like they could go win the finals. Because I don't Man. got no faith in Bud. I don't know about you, but I mean I don't I don't think anybody has faith in Bud because he just hasn't proven us otherwise. You know what I mean? Like I think you know, not to take anything away from the Bucks, but I'm gonna take something away from the Bucks. Like this whole run has really been a facade. If Katie wears one size smaller, they're not even this far. If Trey Young stays healthy throughout that whole series in the Eastern Conference Finals, they're probably not this far. So they've had a lot of things go their way, and they've won games that they were supposed to win. So, you know, you can't take anything, anything from them, but it hasn't, it hasn't been off the back of Bootenholzer. 
is the point in the genesis of the statement. And so where's I, I think he's still on the chopping block. Like if he doesn't win this series, he will be fired. I, you know, a lot of people thought if he goes to the finals, at least his job should be safe. And I just don't know if management and, and all of us are seeing that same thing because we've, we, we saw his, his road and journey to the finals. It wasn't off of his back. So I, He's got a lot of pressure on him. They need to win this game, too. If they don't, it's done bun for them. It's like I was firmly on the camp of, yo, he's out sure <clears throat> if they don't make it to the finals. And then they got to the finals. I'm like, all right, that gives him some leeway. But if they lose the finals in a way where a lot of people will look back at it and say, oh, wow, like they went wrong on – in this game, in this game, in this game, because of these coaching decisions and not necessarily the makes or misses of Giannis on a free throw line or Drew Holiday off of, you know, open threes or something like that. If they lose the series because of him being thoroughly out coached, I think you have to bring in a new voice because now you see that the team can get to the finals. Even though they played a bunch of dudes who ended up getting hurt whose team probably would have beat them, they still got to the finals. So you got to assume that they can at least get to the conference chip next year with a new coach or a better coach. Who that could be, who knows? Maybe if they would have waited, if Rick Carlisle would have waited, that could have been a very intriguing hire. But, you know, he went to Indiana, so you know we'll see what happens with that. But Bro, I'm watching the game and like, so I'm at work and we had a guest on and he's breaking down Devin Booker. And, you know, I've been, I've been on a free Devin Booker bandwagon since day one, only because I wanted him to come to the Lakers selfishly, like everybody would. So, but like, I always liked his game. Mm -hmm. You know, he got the Kobe stamp and this analyst was talking about how Devin Booker's balance, it shows how well and how, how, how much work he's put in. Mentioning things like him landing, every time he lands, he's landing on two feet, which shows that he's balanced and framed up and yeah. always square to the rim and, you know, fundamentally sound, which means, you know, he's, he's a student of the game. We say the only other people who got that is Mike and Kobe. And I'm like, all right, well, that makes sense because that's what we're talking about when you hear people say, oh, he's like Kobe. Nah, he's not. He plays like him. He has mannerisms like him. But he's not him, though. Because he ain't really have a good game, and they still won that joint. Yeah. They Crowder had one point, and they still won that joint. So it's like, I think the Suns are going to win the chip for sure. But it's crazy to see how that roster came together between Devin Booker, who who we thought would have just left, stayed down, and now they got Chris Paul, your guy. And I guess it's time for him now. Is that is that what you're smiling at? I mean, yeah, man. It's definitely time for my guy, Chris Paul. I mean, Devin Booker, you made a great point. Devin Booker did not have a great game. Um, but I think... I think, it, I think it's the flow for him, right? 
I think the flow of the game and and timing of his shots, like, you gotta remember, he's still a young kid. So it's like this moment is still big, you know, regardless of how you put it. You think about Kobe when Kobe got to his first title, it was a it was a different type of vibe, it was a different type of role that he had. He wasn't the guy. So um with Devin Booker, man, he's just really trying to get used to it. I feel like I think game two we'll see a better Devin Booker, more relaxed. He's like, all right, got the jitters out. You know, I know what to expect now. Um, but I think it's still going to be a process, obviously, throughout the whole series. But Chris Paul, man, Chris Paul playing at an elite level, like third highest assist to scoring ratio uh, on assisted points, I think it was. Well, he, he assisted on 59 points in game one, third highest behind AI. I you want to say it was what? I want to say it was 54 points scored or assisted, which was, I think, the third most. 54, yeah, third most. I was going to have 61 probably on game one when he beat us. Yeah, and then so Mike on 60. Game. Dude, that's yeah. still nasty, though. Third? I mean, I, like, I'm not the biggest Chris Paul guy. We know. For, for a multitude of different reasons, but it has nothing to do with how good <clears throat> or not good, I view him, because he's he's a top three point guard that I've watched. Him, Curry. Like, I'm always going to put Darren Williams in some form or fashion there because he was one of them guys. Like, Bro, I think people forget about Darren Williams, man. Darren Williams used to be a buck. Yeah, he was good. I mean, I'm not going to say he's one of the – three best guards that I've seen because, like, you know, there's obviously better ones, but I'm going to put him in there with my bias. But watching Chris Paul play is crazy because he's he's small at the end of the day compared to a lot mm-hmm. of a lot of the average NBA players. And that's the thing <clears throat> I have against players like him because, like, as good as you are, your size, if teams try to hunt it out, will become an issue. Like, it's just obvious. It's natural in the game, but – Watching what he's doing, like, it, it erased how not bad Devin Booker played, but he played underwhelming. Now, now people have those games in the finals. Like, mm-hmm. like Kobe's game seven against the Celtics wasn't the best shooting night, but he affected the game through rebounds and, you know, timely plays, whether they were scoring or assisting. And Chris Paul's doing that, and Devin Booker's – doing that as well. So I'm watching the team and I'm just like, I think they have too much. I think they have too much because they have, they have a team full of guys who's, who knows their role and they're so defined. Like we don't know what type of bucks team we get from night to night. You just don't, whether Giannis plays or not, you don't know which Chris Middleton is going to show up. You don't know which Drew Holiday is going to show up. Yeah. And a lot of what we saw, because I want to ask you this, a lot of what we saw from the two games where Giannis didn't play, we saw the team look completely different. Brooke Lopez looking like the 2010 guy. Chris Middleton looking like he's deserving of that money that he got. And people like, oh, you know, they look better without Giannis. What do you say to them? I don't know if they look better. 
<clears throat> but I think it's easier and it's more free flowing without Giannis. Uh, I think teams like the Sixers um, kind of have this issue. And sometimes LeBron James teams um, have this issue where because that player does so much and because you have to play a certain type of game with that player on the floor, it warrants certain guys to play a certain way. And I just feel like in terms of the Bucks, when you take Giannis out the picture, it really unlocks the full abilities of Drew Holiday, right? Like Drew Holiday's a scorer, a a defensive juggernaut, a real classic two-way player. And trust me, I know firsthand, I remember him in Philly. Well, man, Elton Brand and Courtney S. Andre Iguodala, but that's besides the point. What I'm telling you is that the Bucks have a freer flow of offense with Drew Holiday being able to be the point guard and handle the ball and get into a rhythm of the game. And with Giannis being in there, it kind of ruins that. Drew even talks about it. He said after the game, kind of just he didn't really get a feel of the game. He wasn't in rhythm. And, you know, he was worrying about, you know, letting Giannis get his shots off because he knows his role. Like you were talking about with the Suns, he knows his role in this team. But that kind of takes away from Drew. And then I think when Giannis is on the floor, I think Drew, Drew thinks that he's more of a defensive player. He's out there to guard whoever's the best uh, player on the other team. And right now that's Chris Paul and Devin Booker. So I think he's getting burned on both sides of the um, of the match. And I just think uh, that they need to try and figure out a way to really just let Drew handle the ball. Yeah, like I've heard, I, like I'm listening to everyone's like, not arguments, but like justifications for why they think that the team's better without Giannis. Like there's no planet where you're better without your best player, but they play better basketball without him on the floor in the sense that like, like you said, he's a dominant ball player not necessarily a ball handler because he's not necessarily creating all the time for other people but the focus is always him from the top of the key everyone else doing this or that him and you know high ball screens this and that but with him not on the floor it allows Drew Holiday to be the regular scoring guard that he is gives him floor space and it gives Chris Middleton floor space. So basically what it allows is them two guys to know exactly where they can go get their shots comfortably from. Whereas when Giannis is on the floor, they can get those same shots, but they might have to work a little harder. It might not be as clear, you know, from a viewpoint of, you know, clear shots and defined space and defined shot attempts because like, it's like, we're going to be real. It's a problem when you have players that are that good, but have certain flaws. Like mm -hmm. they're, they're the good, they're the better version of what the Sixers could be. In the yeah. sense that you have guys who are handling the ball because of such unique talents, but they have such dynamic flaws that you have to find ways to circumvent that. Right. And I don't know if the Bucks can manufacture 
enough offense while keeping the Suns from scoring a buck 18, a buck 20, like something's going to have to give. And even though the Suns, you know, big two might come out and shoot bad, they have enough role players that are still going to keep the pressure on defensively and make sure that they're going to get some type of good shot. Like Cam Johnson had what a small 10, but they were big shots, you know, him wide open for a three to turn mm-hmm. an eight Oh run to a, a 15 Oh run before the timeout comes is like, that's the game. And the craziest part is that he's going to get more minutes now that Dario Sarge is out because, you know, Monty Williams just talked. I know it's terrible, but it's like, you know, Monty Williams was talking about how, you know, Cam Johnson and, uh, uh, Frank Kaminsky are now going to take up those Dario minutes and, and play big for them down the road. So they just, they're very deep. The Suns are just, just a very, 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 very deep team. Uh, Cause I think most teams, especially like Dario Sar, like Dario Sarge, obviously, you know, he's not a star of this team, but he's a focal point. Like he's a glue guy. He's a guy you can trust to put into the game. He can score if need be, he can grab rebounds and he's an okay defender, you know, uh, but another former Sixers, just like God, like it just just keeps happening. But no, yeah, I mean, I think I think Cameron Johnson's playing at a high level. It's um. So what do you think? What do you think we see in Game Two from the Bucks? Like, do we see the Bucks team that comes out and? jumps out to the 18 to six advantage on the road, hitting all their shots. I really think it's up to the Suns. Like whatever, however the Suns come out is how the Bucks will come out. If the Suns can't hit a shot, the Bucks will obviously be up. But if the Suns come out and get into their sets and get to their, you know, get to their spots and Devin Booker starts to get warmer or somebody catches fire in that first quarter, the Bucks aren't going to like, Everybody's trying to bank on Giannis and claiming, oh, Giannis is on the injury report. He's back. He's cool. It's like, is he cool? Like, is he really cool? Because I just don't. Like, I've hyper I've hyperextended my knee before. So, I mean, I not obviously I'm not a fucking NBA superstar, but yeah. there's like you you don't just come back and everything's cool and you can do everything possible because we saw at the in the second half of that game two nights ago that Giannis wasn't clearly the Giannis that we're used to seeing. You didn't see a lot of drives to the basket. Yes, he had that crazy block that people are gassing. But it's like, come on, let's relax. Let's relax. Hey, that's what they're telling me, finals. I know, that's what I'm saying. I'm telling those people to relax. Hmm. God. But no, nah, man, I, I'm, I just don't believe in Milwaukee. They're way too inconsistent. But hopefully Drew, you know, figures out that he needs to just get go get his and say forget Giannis. I think you to answer your question. I think in order for the Bucks to win, the Bucks need to let Drew Holiday be who Drew Holiday is. That's you gotta I mean. let me be who I'm gonna be. <laughs> That's interesting because you wouldn't think that like the key to the Bucks win is going to be Drew Holiday. You know because they have a they have MVP double times over and like. He's the only player who's an MVP who I've ever seen get completely disrespected by 20,000 strangers every time he goes into temps free throws. And it's like, 
What happens if the Suns fans start chanting one, two, three, four, five, all the way to 12 in Greek? I love that. Give it to me. I want to see it. Because they already in his head. He he's acting like he, they're not though. He's like, yeah, I know, I'm not phased by it. I respect Giannis for that. I'm not a big Giannis bull because people put him in that top tier conversation when like, like through the essence of ball, like he has a lot of shortcomings to be considered better than certain guys. But mm-hmm. I respect him for not shying away from any of those moments. Like, if he's O of eight. And he gets swung the ball late. He gonna shoot that joint. I'm cool with that. Whether he he know he gonna make he he know he gonna miss it. I'm cool with him going out and consistently. Whether he gonna make like he made seven out of twelve free throws. It's not bad. It's not great. But it's just yeah, it's not great. Like for him, that's a pretty solid outing, I would suppose. And his free throw shooting is like 54 percent. That's the lowest it's ever been. But I mean, I, I I'm with you. I have more respect for him than fucking corny ass Ben Simmons who got caught at Wimbledon. I want to talk to you about that because I, I, you know, I, I'm perusing through the Twitter streets, looking at some shit. Ben Simmons watching tennis, cool, whatever, sure. Ben Simmons just bought a crib out West Coast, twenty mil, not a basketball hoop in sight. And all this is going on, and I'm, I happen to see a video of Alonzo Ball, your guy, your beloved guy, looking pretty solid shooting the rock. Now, granted, he's shooting against some you know random dudes who knows what the competition level is, but it looked like the man's put in a lot of work the last two summers. And I'm not a big Alonzo Ball. I was pissed that we got finessed in the drafting him. I would have liked a different talent, but hey, we ain't. What's done is done. Mm-hmm. But the one thing I always said about Lonzo was like, yo, he'd be cool if he didn't shoot from his left hip. Now he's shooting shit look a little more tucked in, a little bit more fluid. And it's like, ain't no way you can see that type of video and look at Ben Simmons and be like, how are you not being able to do this? It's harder for them to fix Lonzo's shot than you to even attempt one. Because that's a whole breakdown of muscle memory and muscle fibers that got to get re, 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 redone to even have that type of fluid motion. It's a lot of work to put in to change your form from something that you've been doing your whole life and getting away with it. And they try to tell me Ben Simmons can't find a way to just shoot more. <laughs> Are you cool with that? Bro, like this is the shit I'm talking about, yo. But I know, but what I'm saying, like, this is the shit that I'm talking about because it's just like, Ben, this is what this is, we did not ask for this, bro. Like, okay, be at Wimbledon, but it's like you're just doing too much. Like, it's he's doing a lot right now when he's not doing the right things, he's doing the wrong things. Because, like. We you just talked about Lonzo Ball being able to change his whole shot. Where he catches the ball, where he brings the ball before his shot, the elevation of the shot, his hand placement. And then like you look at, I mean, you look at Ben Simmons Summer League, Summer League game, first summer league game. And then you look at him now. 
It, it, you could say that it looks worse. You yes. could say that Ben Simmons has regressed as a shooter rather than progressed. And Lonzo Ball has done nothing but progress. That's a fact. I mean, statistically, Ben Simmons has declined offensively every year. But what I will say is that one player out of the out of the two has been away has been able to get away with not needing not needing to know how to shoot than the other. Lonzo yeah. Ball is a player that was very ineffective because he couldn't shoot the basketball, which is why the Lakers felt so comfortable trading him to the Pelicans. A guy in Ben Simmons is different because he's a all-star talent without shooting the basketball. So it's, it's like, what do you expect from a guy where you're letting him get away with murder and there's no repercussions for his actions, I would keep doing what the hell I wanted to do too. Lonzo Ball's like, damn, I just got traded because I don't know how to fucking shoot. Maybe I should like actually learn how to shoot that drum. So like, that's, that's really what I feel about it. It's like, Ben Simmons, can you be, stop being a cornball? We've been, <laughs> we've been backing you. We've been backing all your moves. Since you got drafted till now, and you've done nothing but disappoint us, can you just listen to us, bro, and just handle your business? That's all we're asking for. Or at least handle your business it's, enough so I, we can trade you and get something for you. It's like, I really, man. <laughs> I really don't know. Like, I just watched it. I was just like, wow. Like, I saw that shit this morning, too. I, I, I forgot to talk to you about it, but I saw it, man. I, it was very frustrating. <laughs> it's just wild because, like, the fans all over the world, like, whether you're a Sixers fan or not, like, it's just like, wow, like, bro, you could be so good if you just, like, put the work in. That's all. I I'm at the point where I was, I'm really questioning, like, if there's something genetically wrong with him and his body. So and, if, like, he comes his back, if he comes back, and tries to shoot right-handed, like, what do you, like, are you done with the whole situation at that point? I honestly don't care. Like, <laughs> left, right, side to side, like, I don't care. Is I just need you to shoot that drone. That's all I need. That's all I'm asking for. That's all that's warranted from him. Shoot that drone. And it's like, we got more shots from him this year. And I was like, happy, cool. Like, all right, we're at least progressing in some shape or fashion. But bro, I need you. I need you, mid-range killer. I, I need DeMar DeRozan vibes. That's all I need. You give me DeMar DeRozan. I'm not even asking for three-pointers. Give me DeMar DeRozan, bro, and I'm cool. Give me Blake Griffin, early 2011 Blake Griffin. Please, I'll take it. I'm gonna keep it a bean, bro. If Bull come back trying to shoot with his right hand, you gotta get him out the city. Because at that point, like you're so lost, you're lost at this point. Like you're trying to re recalibrate your whole game 
to shoot righty when you lefty. It's just like, I don't know, man. Like, I, like I'm, I got more faith in like the Olympics happening than Ben Simmons coming back next year and shooting with either hand. And the Olympics for the fuck around are not even happening at all. <laughs> like, it's a state of emergency in Tokyo. They're telling us there's no fans in the stands now, which is kind of weird because the whole allure and beauty of the Olympics outside of them doing all this questionable shit to people is watching the fans be in attendance for their countries winning golds and silvers and competing for some small countries. And it's just like, we ain't even going to see that. So it's going to be, it's going to look weird. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think that they're going to have the Olympics just financially. They kind of have to. There's no way to um, cancel it. Exactly. So, too much money um, tied up in that. But I do. So, I, I do think. So, the reports are actually that as long uh, for any Olympic events that are not inside the city, um, the, the capital, they will have some fan attendance. Um, but all of the events and uh, games that are happening within that capital will not have any fans. But yeah, man, I don't, it's, this Olympics is so weird. There's been so many different angles, so many peculiar angles. It's a post-pandemic year. Um, It's a year late. Um, People are getting, you know, barred from the Olympics or being told that they have to take special medicine to lower their testosterone counts. Women are not being allowed to run because of a plant. Um, a plant. You can't swim because your hair is too thick. Like, it's just weird things that are occurring. And they all occur to, to minority people and a lot of women, which I got a big problem with. Black women, to be specific. Because, like, I don't want to be the guy who always tries to tie things to race, but some things are racially a lot motivated. Of it, it just makes me like you're trying to tell me that swim caps created by black owned businesses are not acceptable in the pool because they don't reflect the natural head shape of whomever. That's so racist because you're you're trying to tell me that oh, there's actually a bunch of there's a higher there's a higher number of black women who have qualified to swim this year than years past it seems to be and now all of a sudden you guys know what the only natural head shape is supposed to be to go inside of a pool i find that to be ironically racist <laughs> you know like you're not going to tell me that all of a sudden on the national stage and the qualifiers that a black woman qualifies, everyone's going crazy, and then she's turning around and she's about to wear a certain type of swim cap, and now you can't wear it because why? Because the pool has predominantly been white women. So you never even think about women wearing their natural hair in a pool. Like, how how tone deaf can you be? Like, to me, that is bigger than the Sha'Carri Richardson conversation. Oh, yeah, easily. Because, it's because like, she carries like she obviously broke a rule, but like this is like, bro, like this is just who she is. It implementing a rule that is very racially motivated to me. 
There's no other logical explanation for you. You can't tell me logically that this is not allowed because of head shape. I can't call that. (laughs) I can't. I can't be here for it, man. I just can't. I'm not. (laughs) I'm not fucking with it. Like at all, though. I can't fuck with it. It's disgusting. I mean, this doesn't surprise me. The Olympics has always been whitewashed, though. Like, you look back in history of the Olympics, it's been whitewashed. So it's just like, what the, like, it doesn't surprise me, but it surprises me. Like, even the Shakari Richardson thing, like, the collusion between USATF and the, you know, US doping agency. And I mean, I do get it, you know, the U.S. doping agency, their hands are tied a little bit because of how poorly they have acted, um, especially in the field of track and field. So the World Olympic uh, Doping Administration, whatever it's called, whatever the WUPA or whatever it's called, they don't really value their opinion that much because they've dropped the ball on a lot of shit. Justin Gatlin's, Marion Jones, John Drummond's, like, They've dropped the ball a lot. <laughs> I, hope, I hope people are listening to the track conversation because there's been a lot of bullshit up in our mess. <laughs> you keep going. No, yeah. but it's just like, bro, like they got to like, they obviously don't have a lot of a say because of how much they've dropped the ball. But at the same time, man, like there was no need to just leave her off. Like she was going to, you know, pay her discipline that she was given and, you know, she was going to be able to be in the four by one, but the mere fact that they didn't want to put it in the pool is just like, all right, like, come on, man. Like that's, it just seems petty for no reason. It just doesn't seem like something that was needed at all. And then you got the Mormon lady, which I mean, look, believe what you want to believe, but read the room. And I don't know if she said that, I've seen that she's backtracking the statements of her saying that, you know, I want people to say no to drugs or whatever, but this is my issue with the whole thing. Like, we're here to win gold, right? Oh, yeah. That, like, that's what we're supposed to do? That's what that's, we're... That's the biggest point, yeah. And that's what you train to do to try to go win a gold? So if we're here to win the gold, and you tell me, all right, I can't run... I'm suspended for 30 days. The 30 days happens to fall into the race that I really want to run. But I can also run in a four by one. If the name of the game is to go win a gold, why would you not put your fastest person in your pool or the relay team? Uh, that's you what I'm saying. Tell, it doesn't make sense. Tell me that you're going to like, I, I get like what what is the question? Like, was someone in the room saying some weird shit? Like, oh, well, like, how can we be certain that she's not going to smoke again? Bro, she's serving a 30-day suspension, which I'm assuming you guys will be testing and, and doing the test multiple times to make sure that she's not doing it within those 30 days and after those 30 days. So that's actually out the window. I don't want to hear that at all. So now you're only left with okay, us opportunity to win a fucking gold. Okay. Cool. We need to pick four of the fastest motherfuckers. Oh, Shagot Richardson's right here. Okay, you can't run the 100, but we've seen what you've done, and we damn sure want you warning because the 10-8 looks crazy, that type of shit. 
Y'all said, nah, we're going to get the Mormon in here because we're going we're gonna to stick it to Jamaica. Like, no, y'all trying to stick it to your own individuals. You guys are not backing your own mm. individuals. You are not supporting the people who are representing, one, the country, and two, your organization. Yeah. So why are you lying to us? If y'all really cared about the rules and regulations, you would actively be having conversations now. Whether it's just framework and groundwork to have constant and serious conversation about weed. You have to do something because what it looks like is you left her out to dry. They did. And the craziest part is like, you know, the whole thing came down. And I think um, a member of the USA uh, DA was on uh, was on Shenan Golik like last week when this dropped her. Yeah, I think it was last week. And he was talking about how, you know, they care so much and how, you know, they don't really have a say, but they're also in control of uh, the UFC and the UFC, they've helped the UFC relax its policies and regulations on weed use in their league. Um, but this is this proves my point to where it's like USATF dropped the ball. Like USATF dropped the ball because the USADA has has made strides with another league right beside you and you still are going by the Olympic standard, which is cool. I get it. I understand it, but at the same time, there's not going to be any ounce of change unless you yourself change your policies as well. It's a simple concept and like it just shines a light on the fact that sports as a whole needs to reevaluate how they view weed in their workplace anyway. Exactly. Because if it's legal throughout the country and available all throughout the world in various locations and places. You'd rather have your athletes self-medicating than being dependent upon opioid use and Toradol shots and all types of wild shit that really is older than like, it's a, it's an antiquated process. Like it's not a, it's not a need there's a thousand different ways that you can rehabilitate your body. Now, smoking weed is not a bad thing for athletes. <laughs> We've heard a bunch of people since this whole news came out say, yeah, I mean, I use a prosthetic when I was in the Olympics because I had to smoke. Mike Tyson and people talking about, you know, I had to smoke. I wouldn't have these belts. I wouldn't have this. I wouldn't do that. And it's like, we got to get with the times. Like, they have to get with the times. And it's okay to admit that some of your rules are outdated. It happens. You can't always predict the future. That's why there's amendments. <laughs> like, And not for nothing, like, a lot of the reasons why y'all got this shit banned in the first place is rooted in racism. But, hey. But then that's a, just, that's just a, a, a topic that people want to ignore. Like, critical race theory. Oh my goodness, stop. Stop. It's there to like the Twitter streets. That's why Twitter is such a funny place, man, because like you could be scrolling down that joint and seeing all types of wild shit, people with these outlandish thoughts and viewpoints on things like the weed and the Olympics. And if you know the rules, why would you break them? And you should, you should, it's selfish that you 
smoked in the face of passing. It's like, how are you going to judge someone from coping with terrible information? And Literally. I scroll on again, you know, and I'm seeing some wild shit on Twitter, and I see probably the stupidest poll in the history of Twitter. Something to the effect of, if you go out, is it tacky to eat the bread as soon as the people bring the bread to your table? Yes or no? What? 97% of people said no, it's not tacky. 3% of people said yes. And then the girl who swore she was right and swore people was going to agree with her that it's tacky to eat bread as soon as they bring it to you as if you're wrong for eating it. She was trying to say you need to wait to eat the bread. That sounds dumb as hell. Ridiculous. You who wants who if they bring the bread out and it's warm, why do you want the fucking bread and it's cold? Or Bro, it's if I go to Olive Garden and the breadsticks hit my table, I'm grabbing one off the rib. I fuck around, grab it out of his hand as he's putting it down, like like right out the basket. Like he's putting it down and I'm putting my hand in, like simultaneously. Like, bro, if I'm sitting there out back and they bring a pumpernickel. Damn, okay. I'm looking at the waiter like. <laughs> okay, you know your bread. Okay. We need another loaf, big bro. <laughs> okay, you know your bread. Okay. I might tell him when he comes and say, hey, how you guys doing today? You want anything? I'm going to start dropping some bread. Yeah, two loaves. Red lobster. Red. Biscuits. Biscuits. Okay. Need another one. Sorry. Cracker barrel. Biscuits. I'm not a big Cracker Barrel boy. You were on the right track. Oh God! And then you literally just—I only know flew one off, person. yo. I only know one other person in the world who loves Cracker Barrel. I ain't gonna say her name. Shout out to her though. But I can't. I mean, it's cool. It's a nice little spot. But bro, back in stuff. town, bro. Back in town, bro. Funny, I true. used to work. I used to work at that job, bro. I used to work at that job. Got some explaining to do because me and Shorty went there and, and that job was good for her. She was killing it because she loved it, loved the spot, loved the chain. And I'm like, ah. What did you go? What day did I go? Yeah, because that low key matters. You should have, you only. It was you, New Year's. The only day you go, like, if you're going to go, you got to go on a Sunday when they got that yeah, Southern style. No. The Southern style can, chicken, bro. I'm trying to tell I, you. If I can only go to a place and it be good on a certain day, I got a question. No, no, no. It's good all the other days, too. But I'm saying, like, it's elite on a Sunday because they only sell that chicken on the, on a Sunday. And, bro, that it's it's crazy. You still eat chicken, so you can still slide. But I'm, I'm it's it's it. All right. I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to see. I'm going to have to see. I'm, I might have to take your word on that. But I need your word on this, though. Whoa. I need your word on this. So earlier you was talking about, yo, you know, Chris Paul this, Chris Paul that. Oh, I got a stat for you. And the GOAT posted it. And I'm like, who? Co- what you mean? The GOAT? Like Kobe ain't posted things. What, what you what you talking AI, about? AI GOAT. So I wanted to ask you this question since it was Allen Iverson. That's something I was thinking about the other day. So Allen Iverson was one half away in a game seven Eastern Conference Finals of not going to the finals. They ended up going to the finals, but the team that they beat 
was the Bucks. Yeah. Right. Now I remember I asked you the other day, what type of, what jersey do you think of Chris Paul when I say his name? And you said maybe the Clippers. I said the hmm. Clippers. So yeah. then another guy I was thinking about was Ray Allen. Yeah. And I think of Ray Allen yeah. as Ray Allen the Buck. Little hair, shit, doing wild shit, slamming, doing everything. And I'm like, huh, what type of legacy would we have seen? What would we be talking about between those two players specifically if Ray Allen, who was a half away of going to the finals, met up against Allen Iverson and Allen Iverson ended up winning the game for them? But what if it was switched? What if the Bucks ended up making the finals, AI and them lost in the chip, in the Eastern Conference chip, and now we saw Ray Allen in the Bucks where Shaq and Cole in the finals, and Allen Iverson comes up just a just a bucket or two short. Do you think those career trajectories and conversations would have been completely different? Because I don't know. No, yes and no. I think. I think AI would get a little less love from like more people who didn't watch the game because they would look at him and be like, damn, he never went to a finals. He never, um, you know, he couldn't get past, he couldn't get the same thing about Chris Paul. Can't get past, can't go to the finals, has a finals, no finals experience, didn't play no big games in the finals, could never get his team to that point but ai would still be who ai is because of his cultural impact like that's where it's just like that supersedes everything so it's like yeah ray could have gone there but i think ray allen would be a bigger player like ray allen we would people would know more about ray allen he may not he may not have even been in boston in that situation he may not have ended up on the heat like Braun may not win a chip when he does. Like there's a lot that like ha- that dom- those, changing those dominoes and how they fall has a lot of lasting effects on the league. See, <clears throat> like the more I think about it, the more I think it wouldn't have affected Allen Iverson either way. Like I almost feel as though it would. O- I, I think it would affect him a little bit, but I don't think it would address it. I don't because I feel like Allen Iverson is one of the few players that everybody has like the understanding of like he was so good right. you know what i mean like a lot of his legacy is built around him getting that team to the finals but i almost feel like if he would if he would have lost to ray allen in those finals yeah he probably would have found another way to get to the finals or have at least another deep run and I think the success of Ray Allen would have only made Allen Iverson's like, like the the allure of Allen Iverson. I think it would have made it even bigger, in a sense, because like yo, like they lost on the last second joint. He should have did this, and then like we look back at Allen Iverson's career. Who knows? Maybe he goes to the finals next year. I just feel like it would be a crazy thing to think about because. We don't talk about Ray Allen losing in game seven like that. That's, I mean, and you bringing that up, it was like, you didn't tell me that before. So I was, that was actually, that's, I've never heard of that scenario. 
which is why I think it's so intriguing. Because every time I ask people about Ray Allen and what jersey they associate him with, they say, oh, he's a Celtic. Or I think about him because he's a Heat and he made that that shot. And I'm like, people only think about Ray Allen as this like prissy, pretty shooter guy. Mm -hmm. Which I get because he was splashing shit and a lot of his biggest shots were clutch threes, save LeBron type shit. But he was a like he got game happen. You know what I mean? Right. Like, Ray Allen got, got that cameo. Too. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Jesus Shuttlesworth was a thing. Like, people was calling him that in Milwaukee type shit. So it's just like, wow. Like, we, we only associate Ray Allen with threes and not him being like the bull for the Sonics and the bull for the Bucks. Yeah. And I just find it interesting because I'm like, huh, we know Allen Iverson, no matter what the fuck happened in his career whether he got this far or that far or not like he's probably still a hall of famer if he doesn't make that finals and wins one game because he only won one game very impressive win though that's what i'm saying i think it's more so the cultural impact is the is the catalyst like iris is one of those bigger than basketball guys and like you can't take that away from him. So like, motherfuckers was grabbing tattoos because of AI. So he had white kids walking around with cornrows and spray painted on goatees and Japanese tats that they ain't know. <laughs> like, Facts, bro. Nobody doing that. <laughs> like, at all. With arm sleeves. Shooting sleeves, braids, finger sleeves, and the whole bro, thing. Bro, I never forget, bro. First time I saw AI with like a shooting sleeve, I'm like, yo, what? Why does he have a shoot? What? What is? What? Why does he have this sleeve? I was like, why he look like a football player? Like, why he got a sleeve on his arm? And now, like, it's just a bro. thing. So crazy, bro. He was such a big thing that, like, growing up, like, I thought he was like from Philly. And like, yeah, at a certain age, I was like, yeah, you know, he's from Newport News, Virginia, Bad News, Virginia. And I'm like, huh? I'm like, Man, that nigga's from Philly. What y'all talking right. about? <laughs> he embodied everything of the city and like he was different. But it's always funny to me when we think back on players like him and the players that they beat and how we look at those players back. Like we look at Ray Allen and Vince as, oh, Vince is the dunker, Ray Allen is the shooter. But like those two back then were fucking legitimate guys. Like like they had way more in their bag than just that. Either one of them dudes get to the finals, we're having completely different conversations about who they were. Yeah. <laughs> and it's crazy to think about. I'm gonna think of something else next time, though. That's TBD. That's TBD. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Is this not why you are here? Fuck this. What?